Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, your go-to source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development. We hope you tune in often for all things people management, organizational development and change, organizational leadership, and social impact related. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Chris Yoko about creating and sustaining a transformative company culture and driving corporate social responsibility with impact. Chris Yoko, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah, I'm super excited to have this conversation. Uh, we've been preparing for this episode for a couple of weeks now, and I've been looking forward to talking with you. Today, we're going to be focusing on transformative company culture and social responsibility with impact. And I know you have a lot of experience and background in these areas, and so I look forward to the insights and the experiences that you'll be able to share in relation to these topics. As we get started today, I just wanted to share Chris's bio with everyone. Driven by uh, a determination to make the world a better place, Chris Yoko is focused on helping people and the organizations they belong to, to pave the road to a more utopian world. He primarily does this by helping these like-minded organizations build and champion themselves using the most powerful asset, their web presence. When Chris isn't fearlessly leading, you'll likely find him on the ice playing hockey with his nose buried in a book or playing and exploring with his incredible wife and two daughters. Uh, what a wonderful uh, background. Uh, sounds like you have a beautiful family. I'm not a hockey player. Uh, in fact, I don't, I don't really understand hockey and I, I'm not a very good ice skater, uh, but that sounds uh, like a lot of fun and uh, really such a pleasure to have you today. Oh, happy to be here. Happy to share. Anything else about yourself by way of background, uh, personal context that you'd like to share with listeners before we dive in? No, I think that covers just about everything. Okay, cool. So I like how you focus on um, your role in, in leading out to help people and organizations uh, to find opportunities for, for driving sustainability in the world. Uh, I think that's, that's beautiful. That's awesome. And we, we can leverage... Um, the various assets and capital within an organization to be able to, to find that kind of a success, but it doesn't happen in a vacuum. We, we can't just snap our fingers and then all of a sudden be impact minded and have a, like a healthy, um, sustainable, productive organizational culture. So what, what are some of the first things that you do when you go into an organization and you try to help them, um, kind of create a baseline and understand what it means to have a, a healthy, transformative culture. Um, how do you set that baseline with them and then help them start to move the process forward to develop and maintain it? Yeah, it's, um, it, it kind of falls into one of two buckets. So there's organizations we work with that really already kind of understand their impact and they want to execute on it. And that's the majority, you know, there's the 2080 rule. 80% of organizations, they have that aspiration and they know they can do something more impactful. And they're wondering, 
exactly what that is, how it aligns with their core business and how they can use that to move forward. And so in a lot of those cases, which tend to be more the kind that are in the same situation that you mentioned, it's kind of coming in to first begin to understand where there are pillars of alignment within the organization that tends to start with the people. So you start to kind of hear like, okay, what kind of things have attracted the people to the organization? What's always been interesting to me is you tend to find while they may have never consciously talked about it, there are certain things that brought this group of people together, certain commonalities that they have, and certain reasons that people that, ah, like they don't get it, didn't stick around in the organization, certain people did. Once you're conscious of that, you're then able to say, okay, what kind of things do we believe in? How do we help execute that? And how is that in alignment? So all of that has to kind of start with conversations first around like, okay, why are we all here? Why do we contribute so much of our time to this work? Why do we feel like it's important? And what things happen as a result of our work out within the world. And then how do we kind of define good or Yeah, that, that's, that's great. And you highlighted an important facet that just kind of naturally emerges, whether we intend for it to or not. And that is that people tend to be attracted to or repulsed from our organization <laughs> based on our values, based on, um, based on the culture that emerges and the fit there, right? So, so there's a lot of research, for example, around this idea of values, congruence, um, and person organization fit. And when those fits are out of alignment, then you know people self-select out. And when they're in alignment, you tend to attract those types of people. Now, often though, you know, organizations, particularly you know, new startups that are, and maybe they're scaling, uh, maybe they're a little bit, you know, they're going through the early stages of organizational maturity. Uh, mm -hmm you know, they may not have like a purposeful culture that they've worked to establish. It's just kind of emerged, right? Anytime, anytime you get people together, a culture starts to emerge. And so the question starts, then becomes, uh, you know, is it an intentional culture? Is it the type of, is it the type of culture that will actually support and help sustain the organization and your purpose? Uh, are you attracting the right kinds of people? Um, because, you know, it works both ways. Sometimes, you know, the culture that emerges may not be a healthy one and you end up attracting and retaining people that fit with an unhealthy culture that actually will drive unhealthiness within the organization. Absolutely. So, so we want to, to be intentional. We want to be mindful about the signals that we're sending at, through our leadership and how that influences the culture so that we can get the right people. Um, so you, you talked about, you know, sitting, getting everyone around the table, having those discussions. Uh, what are the core values? What is our purpose? What is driving us? And, and that's, that's key to be able to start to establish the baseline so that we understand we're all on the same page about what we want our culture to be. Um, but saying it and doing it are two different things. So what, what have you found as, you, as you've worked with leaders and tried to get them, you know, first to have the discussions, the conversations, but then to move towards sustainable models of um, actual practice, to, to do what they, you know, to, to have policies, practices, and procedures that are actually in alignment with their stated values and purposes. Um, and so they're not undermining themselves through the way right. they go about doing their business. It's one of those kind of weird things because it's something that you state and you, like you said, it's easier to do than to say, but at some point you have to say it and then start to make that a reality and you've got to kind of put it out there. So 
it's almost like somebody who comes up to you and they say like, hey man, I stopped smoking. And it's like, oh, that's great. Like, congrats, how long have you been not smoking? And they're like, last one was, you know, two hours ago. And it's like, you know, well, that doesn't seem like a, a historic achievement if they stick to it. And that was indeed kind of the fork in the road. That's a big deal. And the same thing happens at the company culture level. There's a couple of things where you say like, uh, I use us as an example. At a certain point in 2014, we said, we're only going to work with organizations that are aligned with the mission and philosophies we believe in. And then we had to go through the process of like firing a handful of clients that didn't fit. And that was kind of the harder pill to swallow because I think especially all businesses, but especially people that have more of a, an entrepreneurial mindset still have like that high score running in the background where they're like, yeah, but like revenue's the, <laughs> the number to go after. And it's hard to cut away with that. Um, but ultimately, you know, after we had let those clients go, it was the fact that we said like, oh, we only work with these kind of clients. And they're like, oh, really? Like how many of those have you worked with? Well, like two right now, but at some point it will be more. Um, and then the hardest part of that, it's really easy to get people to say it and to get like really like pumped up and like, this is who we're going to be. And then to fall right back into those old behaviors. It's the hardest part, just like the quitting smoking, is getting through that first gap and forming new habits. And those are the things you have to be really intentional about. Some people just through pure force of will will do it. But for most others, you've got to have some stuff that you write down and make you kind of stick to your guns and create those new habits. Because uh, it's just, uh, you know, you go through that, con that uh, what is it? Unconsciously incompetence, unconsciously competence, you know, consciously that or consciously incompetent cycle. The same thing happens here. And so, after a certain point, you don't necessarily need to look at the new rules and the processes and stuff that you wrote to help you break the old habits and enforce the new ones. It becomes a part of your DNA and just the way that you work. But people seem to think that that's going to happen magically with the flick of a switch, and that's not the case. You really got to have those things as a forcing mechanism uh, to get you to that next place. Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, the mechanisms are, are key, especially in those early stages. Um, and, and they can take, a, they can play out in a lot of ways, uh, right? So, so, you know, certainly you want to have things like, you know, clear value, mission and value statement that's on the website that, that is displayed prominently in places where people can see it and be reminded of it. Uh, you want those things to be verbalized uh, in meetings consistently and in company communications consistently. So those are kind of low hanging fruit kinds of things everyone should be doing. But everyone knows that just because it's on the website or it's on a banner <laughs> on the wall or because it's in the company email, you know, that doesn't actually mean a whole lot if they don't see evidence of it playing out in practice. And so building it into things like the, the feedback loops and performance review cycles and employee onboarding and um, stay and, and uh, exit interviews and all that kind of stuff, right? You start to build it into all those things and then, then it signals to everybody that we really are, uh, we really do feel like this is super important, that we're committed to this uh, and enough so that we're gonna do the hard work of building it institutionally and systematically building it throughout the organization and then that starts to help build that muscle memory in people to yep. develop those habits uh and and then you you know you don't have to be like uh totally indentured to like processes and procedures um and things things will will flow and innovate over time and you'll you'll have adjustments and you need to be able to pivot but but building that muscle memory uh, of those types of behaviors and having leaders who model the types of culture that they want to have and see 
amongst their leaders and amongst their people. Uh, it's just really, really important. And what I see over and over and over again is organizations that know their purpose. They, they have their, they've gone through those early stages of work, you know, to define their purpose, their values, um, their, their driving um, elements of the organization, and even some of the processes and mechanisms, you know, to, to help it to happen. But then they, they, they just don't stay the course because, um, because leaders are busy. You know, they have, a lot of, they have a lot of weight on their shoulders. They have a lot of pressure on them. They have a lot of things vying for their attention. And often they, they think that, you know, they do this initial work and maybe they spend a year trying to, to spin up these mechanisms and get everything in place. And now they can move on to something else. And that's not the way culture works. Like it has to be a, a, a slow, steady drip, right? You just have to constantly be hitting it home. Uh, and, and once, once you back away from it and start to, um, to have your attention wane towards those types of healthy culture, cultural elements, then people will naturally start to revert back to old habits or they'll start to, you know, you know, cut corners or, you know, find different ways of, of doing things that will perhaps increase efficiencies, but reduce you know, and diminish the kind of culture that we're shooting for. So how do we avoid, how do we avoid that? And what, what are some ideas that you shared with organizations in the past and how they can sustain that kind of a healthy culture? Yeah. So, I mean, there's a couple of things and it goes through the different phases of adoption as well. So, I mean, whenever you first say it, like you said, you've got to have a couple of those mechanisms in place to create that muscle memory and kind of break. Um, but as you said, like, I know that kind of mid adoption period, a lot of people, Hey, we're busy tension wanes and they go back to old behaviors because that's kind of what they already know. That's where the alignment place comes into so much play is if you're going to go through and we've all seen the organizations that are like, yeah, we did our core values and it's like quality and trust. And it's like, you've got to dig deeper than the surface on these things. It's got to be meaningful work. Otherwise don't waste your time. Um, I think, I, I don't know if you're familiar with like the Netflix culture deck that they published a long time ago, but like, that's a great model. Um, being able to kind of look through that and be like, okay, what does that look like for us? And you can clearly see in like the Netflix example, there's a handful of others that have done something similar. Um, the alignment that that has with their business model. So you begin to see like, oh, here's how these core values truly distinguish the organization. Here's how they look for that identified in individual people. And here's how they continue to measure that. And so you've got to have some metrics attached to it. And if this is a departure from the direction you've been going or you're making a change of course, changing momentum at any point takes, you know, energy. And as a result, a lot of people, what ends up happening is, you know, maybe they say it and they get pumped up and maybe they start to get through some of that adoption and then they start to see like maybe revenue take a hit or like some people leave because they're not a good fit for the culture and they don't have the rigor to basically see it through and so they say oh okay never mind let's undo it let's go back to the way things work because it's getting uncomfortable that chasm of discomfort is the thing you've got to be able to clear to get to the place where all that work pays off and so that's ultimately where you've got to be able to put your money where your mouth is and apply tangible metrics that can kind of help hold you to that course so whenever you take a look at your core values assuming they have a meaningful you know impact and alignment with your business you attach those to each people's, you know, quarterly review or annual review or whatever, you know, review periods you might have. You have to apply some tangible metrics to it and you have to be able to see how that affects and moves the business. It can't be an exercise that's divested or apart from the way that you generate revenue and the way that you guys work and the structure of the organization itself. All that stuff has to be truly aligned.
Yeah, that alignment is really key and it's it's not easy to find, right? And you, you often will, yeah, you often have to have an iterative process, um, which also speaks to the importance of continual attention to your your cultural initiatives, right? Um, because it 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 isn't you know like a, let's have a retreat, let's have some meetings, let's set it all up, and now we're launched and we're good. Like no, it it really is iterative. There's going to be ebbs and flows where you're going to learn as you go. You're going to have to make some adjustments and then you just have to sustain the effort and the attention. And over time, you know, again, like we've said, you start to build the muscle memory, you start to build the habits, um, the, the, the new processes and procedures, those mechanisms start to get uh, more comfortable and in place. Um, people start to self-select in and out around the culture, um, which reinforces the culture. And, and then it starts to be something that's uh, more sustainable and maintainable. Um, so that, those are some great thoughts and some great tips. Let's pivot a little bit now. I want to take a little bit of time to, to talk about corporate social responsibility and doing work with impact. I yeah. know you, you do a lot of work around that. How do you help organizations define and measure their impact so that they're ensuring that, you know, what, whatever they're passionate about, like they're actually accomplishing something and not, <laughs> not just doing things for show. I mean, Pete, you know, positive PR, that's good, but we don't want to just do things for the PR value. We want to actually have the impact that we're desiring. So what kinds of ideas do you have along those lines? Well, it's, I mean, yeah, to your point, you don't want to be, what was it? I think Anheuser-Busch donated like $100,000 worth of water to the hurricane victims and then did a multi-million dollar media buy to talk about how they donated this water. And it's like, there's truly having an impact and then there's the impact for marketing purposes. And so we tend to be more aligned with the organizations that truly want to have some form of long-term positive impact. And the way that I kind of phrase it is, I think the organizations have to be willing to play the role of a custodian. The way technology is moving things more quickly, it's easier to you know, move money between countries and across the globe. And so you're starting to see individuals rely on corporations almost as much, if not more than in some cases, governments to take care of people. And so if you get to have a vote with your dollar, you're gonna to wanna to support the organizations that have our collective best interest in mind. And so a lot of the thoughts around you know, impact tend to come back to being able to do work that you really feel passionately about. And again, feels well aligned with all of the other things you've, we've talked about already. So how does it align with the core values? Is this work people are gonna be excited and invested in doing? It's um, similar to Bruce Lee had a famous quote where he was like, you have to punch through your target if you're really gonna maximize the amount of power. And so a lot of people, I think, you know, revenue tends to be the target. And if that's what you're punching to, then you'll get the results at that level. But if you're punching through that to impact, what we found is the organizations we work with tend to outperform their peers and there's like if you look at um, firms of endearment there's books that have you know analyzed that in way more detail than my you know anecdotal uh, evidence might support but ultimately it's being able to understand what aligns with your business model and so in some cases it is as simple as we work with a, an hr uh recruiting and culture uh consulting company and so they realize that based on some of the research they've done, whenever they make the workplace a better place, the people go home to their families, their kids, they're more present, they're more aware, they're better educators, they're better providers, they're better caretakers, they're more available to their family, that ends up building a better you know, basic fabric of society. And so the way they measure impact is, for every organization we go in, 
and you know basically get to have this culture lift and dynamic change we count the lives that have been affected by that so we count all the employees and then because we've got a head count on them as well as their family members that's kind of what they look at and that used to be a thing that like really excited me was like the aggregate numbers um, to the point where we have a goal here at Yokosio to possibly impact the lives of 100 million people by the end of 2020 through the work that we do with our clients. So it's kind of an integral part of our work to help them calculate that impact. But what I found is equally motivating is the ability to just tell the story of how you've impacted a single person's life through the work that you've done. Um, and being able to take those small stories where people can see themselves reflected back or somebody that they know reflected back as a result of the work they've done feels really meaningful. And what I found is it gives us a reason to kind of come, you can come to your computer and answer emails and type away and code and design or do whatever it is you do all day and not feel like you've had any tangible difference on the world until you hear those stories. That hey, as a ripple effect of the work that you've done, this little girl got heart surgery that she needed. This person got an education uh, in a town, one of our clients um, helps provide internet, like node-based internet to tribes in Africa. One of the women there, learned how to program, now programs for a company based in America, and has brought a level of wealth to her tribe that was unseen beforehand. And like, those are the kind of things that are possible. But the person who made that possible was basically just uploading a bunch of how to program content onto a bunch of hard drives so it could be delivered and set up in a node network. They would have never seen the impact of their work. And so what I find is, while the aggregate numbers are really important uh, to be able to kind of calculate and measure your impact, those detailed stories at an individual level are the thing that get people really excited about the work they do and tend to be willing to get energy out of the work that they do as opposed to lose energy by putting their their effort into the work. Yeah, absolutely. I think a combination of, of the, those quantitative metrics um, and analytics along with the qualitative stories um, that we can really demonstrate, dig deep, you know, and, and demonstrate in the lives of real people. Uh, it's powerful stuff. And you know, the, it, it's hard, it's hard work. It's hard to get to impact. It's hard to assess, right? Um, if it was easy, then, you know, you wouldn't have organizations reaching out to, you know, firms like yours to help them do it, you know, and I, I do a lot of that kind of work myself. Uh, and it, it's, it is tricky work, but it's very valuable uh, in many, many ways. Um, and, to, fulfilling. To, and fulfilling and, it, you know, lift, it lifts everybody. So, so yeah. that's, that's just one. Uh, I used to work construction. And so, it was great whenever you were concerned, like it's tiring, like you're, you're tired at the end of the day, but you could go to an empty field and then a week later be like, that house didn't exist before. Like we built somebody a home and like get to see the fruits of your effort. And whenever you're just doing it here, you don't get to see any of that. And so the opportunity for those stories to come back and really let you know that your work had an impact, I think is really meaningful. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Chris, it has been a real pleasure talking with you. The time has flown by. Uh, and we're we're, uh, we're almost out of time for today, but I wanted to make sure I gave you a chance to take the last word um, and to share with listeners how they can get more connected with you and find out more about what you're doing. Sure. Um, to find me personally, it's uh, chrisyoko.com. So C-H-R-I-S-Y-O-K-O.com. And then uh, the company's name is Yokoco, Y-O-K-O-C-O.com. And um, as I mentioned, we're marching towards, uh, I think we're we're going to surpass our 100 million people positively impacted by the end of this year. And so we've got a couple of fun things we've been working on that I think are going to be beneficial to all of society uh, that we'll be able to share more on in uh, 2021. So if you're interested in helping with that stuff and being a part of some stuff that can really help, uh, we think, in the long term change the world for the better, uh, you know, 
find us there, connect with us, or uh, you know, jump on the newsletter or something, and we'll keep in touch, and we'll have some exciting stuff to share at the turn of the new year. Awesome. Thank you, Chris. And it's such important work. I applaud you for everything you're doing. Thank you for all the effort around that. And I think particularly in the times that we're in, it's been a super interesting year. Um, a lot of a lot of stuff is being thrown at people, um, not just with the pandemic, but with all of the socio-political and um, you know all, all of all of those things. Right? There's a lot of opportunity for us to help lift each other and to strengthen the fabric of society. And we can do that in many ways. But one of those ways is through the work that we do in in our jobs and through our organizations and. And so as we, as we think around the, along the lines of corporate social responsibility and social impact through our work, um, you know, the, the possibilities are almost endless in what we can do uh, to benefit the world. So thank you for everything that you do. Uh, I hope listeners will reach out and get connected and find out more about how you might be able to help them. And as always, I hope everyone stays healthy and safe, that you can all find meaning and purpose in work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week. We are excited about the launch of HCI's new magazine, Human Capital Leadership. Human Capital Leadership is a free, interactive e-magazine designed to help individuals, leaders, and organizations find innovative approaches to maximize their human capital potential. We will be publishing issues quarterly in August, November, February, and May. Check out the first issue and let us know what you think. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week. Check out our new weekly LinkedIn newsletter, Alchemizing Human Capital, exploring industry trends via original research and interviews with executives and thought leaders from across the globe. We look forward to having you join us.